from the Mercy One Studio. Welcome to Straight Talk, a lively discussion on tough issues impacting our lives. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Here's your host, Gene Wells, brought to you by Blackbird Investments. Welcome to Straight Talk here at Iowa Catholic Radio. It is your weekly dose of news from the diocese and around the world, plus commentary on tough issues, things that challenge us, make us think twice about what's going on in our lives. It's Straight Talk. You've got questions. We've got answers for you. I'm Jean Wells, and I am so blessed that we can broadcast here from the Mercy One studio at Iowa Catholic Radio, and also grateful, grateful to Blackbird Investments for sponsoring Straight Talk. Doing what is challenging because it is right, that's Blackbird Investments. When it comes to building real estate, they look for creative solutions by forming strategic alliances, creating energy-efficient buildings, and engaging with local craftsmen. At its core, Blackbird believes in giving buildings a new life. For more information online, blackbirdinvest.com. Now, on today's show, we are discussing the mental health of children the challenges they face, the causes for this, and what can be done to help this generation. My guest today is Scott Caldwell. He is the Director of Programs for Catholic Charities. And when we look at kids today, we often hear comments on how disrespectful and disobedient they are. They're self-centered, that's for sure. You know, some will blame their parents as they, uh, as we have become our parents' best friends, And we let their disrespectful behavior start at a young age. And after all, they're just kids. And it continues until the parents then are at wit's end. You know, what am I going to do with this kid? However, these behaviors may be masking other more serious issues. And it's important for parents to address those behaviors early on to either train their children in correct behaviors, help them to modify their behaviors, or if the issues are more deeply rooted, seek the help needed for their child. Now, here are some sobering statistics. 16.5% of U.S. youth age 6 to 17 experience a mental health disorder, and a little more than half, just half of them, receive treatment. The average delay between the onset of mental illness symptoms and the treatment is 11 years. So for 11 years, that child is suffering with something that they're getting blamed for being disrespectful or, you know, all the things that we yell at our kids about. Um, High school students with significant symptoms of depression are more than twice as likely to drop out compared to their peers. And 70.4% of youth in the juvenile justice system have a diagnosed mental illness. Now, one of the statistics that's a worse nightmare for parents is if their child would consider committing suicide. Even contemplating suicide is horrific, but also a cry for help. 11% of young adults between the ages of 18 and 25 have considered suicide. 17% high school students, and 47.7% if your child uh, considers or identifies with being a lesbian, gay, or bisexual high school student has contemplated suicide. 
So those are sobering statistics and things that we cannot take lightly. We're going to discuss all of that and more with my guest, Scott Caldwell, Director of Programs with Catholic Charities. But first, uh, some news or some events, excuse me. Iowa Catholic Radio Man Up, our mission as men, evangelizing in the public square. Tom Quiner and Tim Jamison will discuss their missions to evangelize in a divided culture. That's what we're living in. Tuesday evening, January 28th at St. Mary of Nazareth Church. Always rosary at 520 mass, 545, followed by fellowship and dinner and discussion. You can register at iowacatholicradio.com. The Man Up West Power Lunch is Friday, February 14th. So go to lunch on Valentine's Day with your favorite guys. I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Oh, it's at St. Francis. Um, Oh, wait a minute. You can bring your ladies to this Valentine's Day themed lunch. Adam Story, Director of Marriage and Family for the Diocese of Des Moines, discussing marriage and family. Lunch is provided from Chick-fil-A, as always. So again, register at iowacatholicradio.com. That's a Valentine's Day special Man Up West Power Lunch where you can bring your special lady. Uh, The Spring Carathon starts Monday, February 17th. And prayerfully consider a $30 a month gift to support the mission of Iowa Catholic Radio, connecting listeners with Christ. A part of my volunteer activities here at Iowa Catholic Radio is to line up teams to be on during the Carathon. If you would like to be on a team, you can text us at 515-223-1150. I'd love to hear from you. And finally, the Iowa Catholic Men's Conference 2020, Sons of the Father, is February 22nd. It's at NBC Suites downtown. It's just the morning, 8 to noon. Uh, Mass, well, actually, you'll want to go to Mass with Bishop Johnson at 7.30. And um, the conference starts at 8, including the speakers, Man Up Show host Joe Stopulis, Iowa State football head coach Matt Campbell, and hosted by John Leonetti. Uh, Some items of news that are of interest as a follow-up to last week's show. A district court in Maryland issued a preliminary injunction in the lawsuit HIAS, which is a a Jewish resettlement group uh, for refugees, HIAS versus Trump, and it halted implementation of an executive order where placement organizations like Catholic Charities were required to obtain consent from the state and communities before resettling a refugee. Even though Iowa and the central Iowa communities have been very welcoming to refugees and had signed off on this, the red tape caused significant disruption in the important work of resettling refugees in our communities. So this injunction was a good thing. Planned Parenthood announced this past week that its plan it plans to spend $45 million to support pro-abortion candidates at the presidential, congressional, and state levels in the 2020 election. The good news, though, is pro-life Susan B. Anthony List and its partner, Women Speak Out PAC, have announced a $52 million budget for the 2020 election cycle. Personally, I find it sinful that we would spend that much money on election campaigns, but it is a battle that has to be fought. Hey, when we come back from this break, we'll be visiting with Scott Caldwell, Director of Programs for Catholic Charities on Childhood Mental Illness. It's time for Straight Talk, right now on Iowa Catholic Radio. 
Thank you to Golden Rule for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. At Golden Rule, you already know we obey the rules to live by. We know that there are no medals for providing outstanding customer service. It's just what you do when your customers are like family. That's why we provide state-of-the-art training for all of our employees. From customer service to routine maintenance and new equipment, you can always count on Golden Rule. And by taking care of our family, we can take better care of yours. I'm Bobby from Golden Rule, where we deliver respect, understanding, loyalty, expertise, and service every time you call. We have a standard and we prove it online at GoldenRulePHC.com. Thank you to Bozen the Florist for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio, Dowling Catholic Football, and Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. What better way to send a message to a friend or a loved one than a beautiful bouquet of fresh-cut flowers? Hey, this is Tom Bozen from Bozen the Florist. Our family business has been helping Central Iowans send messages locally and around the world for almost 100 years. Whatever the occasion, whatever the message, we can help you say more with Bozen. That's 244-ROSE, 244-7673, or visit us at bozen.com. Hi, this is Father John Ricardo, and I want to thank Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory for underwriting Christ is the Answer. Losing a loved one, as we know, is never easy, and it can leave you feeling lost and even hopeless at times. But Caldwell Parish helps ease that burden by sincerely caring both about your loss and about your faith. Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory is Des Moines' only Catholic-owned and operated funeral home. The number is 515-276-0551 or online at caldwellparish.com. Impoverished children break everyone's heart, but poverty seems like such a big problem. What can one person do to make a difference? For 17 years, Blessman International's passion has been to connect the resources of our donors with sustainable programs that impact the lives of impoverished children in South Africa. Our donors are feeding thousands of hungry children every week, providing basic water and sanitation for impoverished communities, and sharing the love of God in practical ways every day. Go to www.blessmaninternational.org and make your donation today. Hi, I'm Teresa, and as Executive Director of InterVisions Healthcare, I want to say thank you. Thank you to the thousands of women in Central Iowa for trusting InterVisions when it comes to your unplanned pregnancy. And thank you to the many supporters who have made it possible for us to serve these patients. We are excited to announce our second clinic on the South Side is currently open. Now we have two locations to better serve women with unplanned pregnancies or STDs. Would you like a tour of the clinic? Give us a call today to get that set up. 515-440-2273 or visit IVHcare.org. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq moines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio, and this is Jean Wells. I encourage you to text today. I think this issue of mental health with our kiddos is one that impacts really all of us. And we all have a story, we all have a concern, and I have Scott Caldwell here with us. He's the Director of Programming director of programs for Catholic Charities. He has uh, been a counselor in years past. He has that technical expertise, that training. Um, we're going to talk about childhood mental illness. So if you have a question, text us at 515-223-1150. Uh, now, Scott, okay, we're going to I'm, I'm throw a statistic at you right off the bat. Childhood mental health impacts one in five children. So I'm thinking of a classroom. You've got 25 kiddos. Five of them have challenges that teachers, 
are they typically trained to help kids with serious mental illnesses? I think a lot of educators would tell you they're not. Mm -hmm. Um, Although most public and parochial schools are getting training in that so they can address things like social emotional development in their students and learn how to address some some acting out behaviors and, and understanding that in a format where it's more of a trauma reaction mm-hmm. versus I'm trying to disrupt the classroom. And, and many times educators struggle with that because they've got a lesson plan. They've got students they need to prepare They have a lesson testing. plan and they want to follow yeah, it. And they need to get students prepared for that testing. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have a small group, five students out of 25, and maybe a couple of them are being highly disruptive mm-hmm. that day, that's a real challenge for the teacher. It is. It is. And, you know, we do think that they're just being rude. They're just disrespectful kids. Right. We're going to make you go sit in the hallway. But that's not really the best strategy for a child that has mental illness. Now they're being isolated. I mean, you hear of these schools. Where was the school I just read about that has an isolation room? Yeah. I, yeah. So so isolating a student um, who's, who's being disruptive um, – Removing them from the general milieu, but but giving them something to do, mm-hmm. and and if the educator or the paraeducator or the social worker can connect with them while they're isolated, not just leave them alone, but try to kind of redirect their behavior, give them a chance to settle down. Um, instead of uh, many times people have a perspective as what's wrong with the student, it's really what happened to the student, mm-hmm. and you may not get to that at that point in time, but when you start to talk to a student about what what's can you explain what you're feeling right now? Can you talk about what happened earlier today? You get uh, a much better in-depth understanding of why they're conducting themselves in the manner they are. They're, but a teacher with 25 kids. Right. It's hard to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's impossible to do. Well, um, not impossible. There are schools that <laughs> okay. Th- there are schools that consider themselves and they're doing training in, in being a trauma-informed school. So that means every educator – Every paraeducator, every support person that works in the school and the administrators have a have a good, solid understanding of the impact that trauma has on a, a child's neurological development and on their behavior. And so they're able to, to look at that behavior through that lens and get a much better understanding, at least be more patient and realize that that student isn't just trying to disrupt things today. That, that that behavior has has a purpose. Okay, you call it trauma something? Trauma-informed so, care. So, yeah. you know, when I think of trauma, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, okay, there's been child abuse. Right. There's been physical beating. Mm-hmm. I mean, is is that this the where you're going, or is mm-hmm. the trauma bigger than that? Right. Well, so certainly that kind of, that, that is a form of trauma, yeah, and there's of course, all kinds yeah. of trauma, and there's acute trauma, there is complex trauma, and that's, I think, something that you were alluding to, where that's, that's the most difficult um, a residual effect of trauma to deal with, because that's where a primary caregiver has, um, has, has violated that trust with mm-hmm. the young person. Maybe, maybe they've beaten them, um, they've abandoned them. In some instances, there's been sexual abuse, but there's been an inconsistency in care. So that young person has complex trauma where it's very difficult to trust people. Um, The attachments are not solid with Mm -hmm. other human beings, uh, particularly adult caregivers. So it's real difficult. Now, there's other kinds of um, trauma. You could be in a car accident. If we've ever, you know, experienced that, that is traumatic. It's, It's a single episode. It's acute. Generally speaking, we can get past it, but it, it takes a while. 
uh, versus repetitive instances of trauma where it's it's much more difficult and your, your brain actually becomes wired to the point where you're kind of stuck in a fight flight or freeze mode, a survival mode, because things are triggered in your environment that go back to that abuse. Mm -hmm. So that's where that student, while they maybe they've withdrawn, they're not doing their homework, or they're highly combative, they're backed in a corner with their fists clenched, or they run out of the classroom, um, and the teacher, the educator, and the other students might be thinking, well, what's this all about? That, that was a very odd mm -hmm. reaction, not, not in proportion to the situation. Something triggered something for that student, and uh, they went into a survival mode. Yeah, it's interesting, Scott. Last night, my granddaughter was over. She's four, four and a half, excuse me. And I've had this kind of stuffy thing going on. And I said to her, Mom, you know, I just can't breathe. Now, if, if she wouldn't have said anything, we would have gone on. What, but what she said instead was, well, Grandma, if you don't breathe, that means you'll die. And it's like, oh, you know, if she hadn't said something, she could have gone to bed, you know, thinking that grandma was going to die. You know, you think little four-year-old minds, mm, right. four and a half, excuse me, you know, that could have been very traumatic. Certainly. And, yeah. You know, it, 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 four yeah, years of age, about, developmentally, yeah. you're, you're, you know, trying to understand mortality. Mm -hmm. And you maybe you saw something on TV or you heard, a, you know. Uh, maybe one of her friends in, in preschool or, or wherever mm -hmm. had a grandparent pass on. So, yeah, that's, yeah. That, to, to you, that makes, to her, that made sense. Yeah. Uh, when I thought trauma, I thought the worst. Mm -hmm. In their little minds, that would have been the worst. Certainly. So let's talk about some of the typical diagnoses sure. that you see in children. We always hear of ADHD, but, right. you know, is that really the extent of it? No, we see an overwhelming amount of anxiety and depression. Hmm. Uh, we actually were, were looking at some data recently over the last six months. 80% of the youth or 80% of the clientele we saw, and many of those were young people, experienced or, or had some symptoms related to um, anxiety or depression. Um, in the school settings, you also see some oppositional defiant disorder, some PTSD, and um, What would a child have ADHD. PTSD? Well, if if they've experienced something in their in their environment where they felt um, there was an imminent threat to their health, maybe there was domestic violence in the home, maybe there was a natural disaster, um, uh, homelessness can certainly be very traumatic. You go true? to a shelter, yeah. or you're you're living a di with different relatives. Um, there's there's varying degrees of of, um, of a PTSD, but but generally speaking, it's a sense that you know your your very your very uh, survival was at risk. So you're kind of thrust into that, and it can take a while to work through that that sense of that suffocating sense of um, I'm in peril. And especially a young person doesn't feel a lot of control, and if they see that their primary caregivers also feel this sort of panic, well, you know, your, your, whole, um, your whole sense of your overall well-being is jeopardized. Mm -hmm. So it does happen with students. My guest is Scott Caldwell. He is the um, director of programs at Catholic Charities, and we're talking about childhood mental health. Now, you know, you talk about PTSD and some mm -hmm. of these things. You know, I think of those, that all really happens to the fringe kids, you know, the ones that are already in poverty. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I mean, is there a class of people that these things happen to? Well, certainly, if you're um, in a, <coughs> if, if your family's um, um, 
socioeconomic during this a stratum where you don't have a lot of resources, you're, you're much more likely to experience more trauma. You know, if you simply don't have the ability, the latitude to to secure housing, transportation, um, access care as as more readily as others can, <coughs> you're going to be at a greater risk for experiencing that trauma. So, but it, but you also don't want to stigmatize people who are um, you know, mm-hmm. who are living in poverty, although they're much high, much greater risk than than those who are not. Certainly, but those that are not are also. <clears throat> You know, they are not immune from having mental health uh, issues. I know when not. my kids were in in school, ADHD was the common diagnosis. Mm-hmm. If you were a kid that got into trouble in school, you were sent to a, a psychologist, psychiatrist for a diagnosis of ADHD. You were given Ritalin. Um, I mean, is that – I hope that doesn't happen. To me, it seemed like it happened for every kid that was – you know, not sitting quietly in their desk. Yeah. Well, so certainly attention deficit hyperactivity, either the um, the, the uh, hyperactive type where your motor's running all the time or the mm-hmm. inattentive type where you can't focus, many times that's a legitimate diagnosis. In many instances, medication works, but not always. Right. And, and uh, sometimes <clears throat> intense anxiety certainly looks like if you're fidgety and you're nervous and you're hypervigilant for, for whatever reason, um, for you, there's there's a, there's a reason to be anxious. It can it can certainly look like um, a form of uh, hyperactivity. Um, or if you think about times you've been despondent or really depressed, you have trouble focusing, you're indecisive, you're unmotivated. It can it could certainly look like um, a form of ADHD where you're inattentive, or it, it could be combined. You know, you could have both the inattentive and and the hyperactive. If you've experienced something traumatic, even in the past. <clears throat> But there's something in your environment that has triggered uh, this survival response. And it's, it's kind of a tricky thing because you could be perfectly calm one moment, but it, it could be an, an aura, it could be a smell, it could be a person who reminds you of a situation or a, of somebody who perpetrated something against you, and you go right into this uh, fight or flight or freeze response, and it looks a lot like ADHD. Mm-hmm. It's not, but it certainly looks like How it. How do you, as a, as a teacher or as a parent differentiate i mean you know mm-hmm. a parent I, mean, I remember being a parent i was exhausted you Certainly. know yeah. you work all day you try to fix dinner you help with homework you take them to scouts you know and now they're being obnoxious and it's mm-hmm. time for bed they're just tired and this goes on and on and on you know how do you how what does a parent do what does a teacher do well i mean there, there are things like you know, setting up routines and patterns and and uh Particularly small children, but even adolescents, take comfort in some routine. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if things, as much as things can be routinized in a chaotic world, um, it, it certainly helps. And, cert- and also connections, uh, significant caring connections with other adults can, can, can take you through a very chaotic day if you're a child. It, it can take us through a very, mm-hmm. very chaotic day to know that somebody cares about us. Yeah, I was um, chatting with a friend last night, and we normally visit on Monday nights about a book that we're reading. And I was, you know, I had this tickle in my throat. And I said, you know, I sent her a text now, not going to be able to do it. And she's like, just know that I've been thinking about you. And I love you. And I, you know, I pray that you'll get better. And it was like, that was just so sweet. She didn't have to say that. She could have said, okay. It's very interesting you mentioned that because I was watching 60 Minutes um, last weekend. 
uh, I think between football games. But uh, they talked about – There was about, football last weekend? Football, so it, huh. was, it was something. Yeah. Um, not great results for everybody. But, yeah. Um, but one of the – one of the things they talked about, there was a study done, and, I, and I'm not going to recall this terribly well, but uh, patients who were suicidal, mm-hmm. they did a study on, it was like a follow-up contact. I'm not using the term correctly, but instead of, okay, we have your safety plan in place, we've you know, we've got your diagnosis, we've got a plan of action, we'll see you next Tuesday at 10 a.m. What they did in the interim was they sent them a text, or they uh, actually, just many years ago, they sent them a letter. Mm-hmm. And the letter said, essentially, I'm thinking about you, um, I care about you, um, you're a valuable person. Mm-hmm. And, and that had more therapeutic impact in helping that, that patient get better and not be suicidal. And than, get to and, Tuesday. Th- and get to Tuesday. But mm-hmm. then any intervention, and it was a very simple thing. So when you think about that, we all have, like like your friend, have mm-hmm. a very significant role, particularly if you talk about educators in a school building. Students have so much contact uh, with their teachers, and there's all these opportunities to just have those caring connections. Mm-hmm. Now, when when kids are acting out, though, I mean, because this is every child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there is a perfect child out there, but every child has their their times when they act out inappropriately. Can all children be taught how to express themselves appropriately when they are angry or sad or scared? I mean, is that certainly are they teachable? Oh, certainly, and a lot of it comes from us, though. As as, as adults in their lives, we have to mirror that for one thing. We also have to be able to exercise that level of patience when uh, when a child or or a teenager. Is, is acting out, to put in quotes, um, when they are not able to put in words how they're feeling and the only thing that's left is to yell and throw t- tantrum. And, and yeah. it, it, sometimes that's a developmental thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm at a stage where uh, perhaps I'm, I'm trying to demonstrate my autonomy and I just – I cannot – uh, express that appropriately. So I do something outrageous like storm out of the house and I don't come back till after midnight. And, mm-hmm. and that's very alarming to a parent. Those are developmental things. Um, I think when you have a sustained pattern of that kind of thing, some behavior that's um, not developmentally appropriate or it's just a real change in what you normally would see with, with um, your son or daughter or your student – you know, that's where it's probably an, an issue of more clinical concern. But, yes, you can – and the schools currently are, are doing classroom instruction on social-emotional development and helping students understand how to express what they're feeling. And, and there's a lot of ways that that's done. And in therapy, some of that is mindfulness where you just take time to stop and be present and breathe because how often do we really do that? Yeah. And since we don't do that, we're really not in touch with – what our thoughts and feelings are and the impact that it has on our behavior and our decisions. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're, we're going to talk about when do we seek that professional help for our kids. Nobody wants to admit that their child may need help. So we're going to, you know, see when should a parent do that, what signs they should look for. And then we're going to talk about this school counseling program. What does that look like today? How are we helping teachers? How are we helping kids? You're listening to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. Why do folks give to the Catholic Tuition Organization? Probably because they love Catholic schools, right? Partially, but they also like the tax benefits. Or they were helped when their kids were in school. Or they have been blessed and want to bless others. Whatever the reason, the 65% tax credits are great. And after all, it's for the kids and their future. 
online, ctoiowa.org. Doing what is challenging because it's right. That's Blackbird Investments. In 2013, Blackbird Investments was born from the inspiration of St. Kevin. When it comes to building real estate, they look for creative solutions by forming strategic alliances, creating energy-efficient buildings, and engaging with local craftsmen. At its core, Blackbird Investments believes in giving buildings a new life. BlackbirdInvest.com Blackbird Investments, doing what is challenging because it's right. Thank you, R&R Realty Group, for supporting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. R&R Realty Group is an Iowa commercial real estate owner and developer that provides services for all commercial real estate needs, including brokerage, interior space planning, real estate management, construction, and more. R&R Realty Group has been accommodating business expansions and real estate solutions since 1985, solving commercial real estate needs. R&R Realty Group, establishing long-term relationships built on trust. Vitae Family Care is part of the Iowa Catholic Radio family. Pro-life physician Greg McKernan, a DO, has practiced for 27 years seeing patients of all ages with just about every kind of need. Dr. McKernan lives his faith as a physician and is trained in NAPRO technology, allowing him to diagnose and treat many female conditions and even markedly reduce the occurrence of a miscarriage. VitaeFamilyCare.com Remember, Vitae is Latin for life. The Des Moines Catholic Culture Lecture Series, The Life of St. Thomas Aquinas, is Saturday, January 25th in the St. Augustine Parish Hall. Prepare for the feast day of one of the great doctors of the church with an in-depth look at his life and works with Dr. John Yost, Vice President of Medical Education and Research for Unity Point Health. Learn more at dmcatholicculture.org. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Corel Contractor, serving Des Moines site work construction needs for over 60 years, and the Iowa ENT Center, expert ear, nose, and throat care for adults and children. Programming support for Catholic Women Now is provided by Iowa's injury attorney, Fred Haas. For over 30 years, Fred Haas has helped injured Iowans recover financial, physical, and emotional losses from car, truck, and motorcycle accidents, work-related injuries, and injuries due to negligence. Most importantly, providing the professional, personal, and responsive legal counsel that everyone deserves. Fred, double D, Haas, double A, the Des Moines Law Offices of Fred Haas. While we have time... Let us do good. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio's broadcast of Dowling Catholic Sports and Activities is provided by Kemen, a global ingredient manufacturer using science to transform the quality of life for 80% of the world. Kemen is on the leading edge of molecular science, manufacturing more than 500 specialty ingredients for the human and animal health and nutrition, pet food, aquaculture, nutraceutical, food technologies, crop technologies, and textile industries. Kemen strives to sustainably transform the quality of life every day for 80% of the world with their products and services. Kemen, using science to transform the world online at Kemen.com. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. Fair, breezy, and chilly this afternoon. We'll be in the low 20s, maybe a few snow showers overnight, and we'll be around 25. Snow possible tomorrow, couple of inches, 35. The weather is brought to you by Rock Valley Physical Therapy, outstanding outpatient physical therapy and sports medicine rehabilitation with seven convenient locations in the Des Moines metro and southwest Iowa area. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. Well, welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Jean Wells. And as a reminder, our text line is open. Straight Talk is always live. It's always local. And you can always text us at 515-223-1150. 
we're char- we're talking about mental health of children today and and as we uh, left our conversation with Scott Caldwell the director of programs for the Catholic Charities we were talking about you know some of those uh, behaviors that children have and yes we can teach them you know to to respond appropriately when they're angry or sad or all of those kinds of things but at some point in time you think with your child something's just not right you know, when do you seek professional help? I mean, part of it is the parent has to admit that I need help for my child. There's something going on that I, I don't know what to do with. When do you do that? Well, like with any of us, even with adults, if if our um, emotional or mental health issues are interfering with our functioning, that's when it's time to seek help. So with with a student, is this interfering with social functioning you know, at, at home, uh, in the neighborhood, and at school? Is it interfering with their academic performance and their ability to, you know, attend class and absorb information? And, um, you know, if you have a lot of truancy, if you're having failing grades, this is where your your behavioral or mental health um, symptoms are interfering with your functioning, and that's when you need help. So it's typically not a single event that, you know, it's not a child that's being disruptive today and normally has been really good. There may have been a trauma, as we talked about earlier. Correct. And so you have to evaluate for that. But, you know, it's not like they need a professional help because of that one incident. Certainly not. We all have bad days. Um, And it's it's no different with uh, children and adolescents. Um, However, if if you have a sudden change in behavior and then that sustains for a while, that's that's concerning. And that's a sign that you you might want to seek help. As I said before, normally a very extroverted child becomes very withdrawn. That would mm-hmm. be an example of th- this is out of character, and maybe that's time to talk to a professional. Well, and I'm a huge advocate for folks, um, you know, talk therapy, having those opportunities to talk to a third party who doesn't know all of the family history, doesn't know all of it, and, and you get an opportunity to, to talk through issues. So um, I encourage, you know, families, if you're thinking that something's just not right, seek that help. Absolutely. But let, let's transition and talk about the school counseling program. Now, when I was in school, I don't know if we had a school counselor. <laughs> Maybe we did, but mm-hmm. you know, to me as a kid, it didn't didn't seem like we did. But when my kids were in school, the counselors came in about once a week. They did activities around kindness and respect, not talking to strangers. Um, how has that changed with with the prevalence of so many traumas? In our world and the and the awareness of it for kids, how has our counseling program changed for kids today? Well, school counselors are still addressing classrooms. Uh, they're really focusing on social emotional development and proper expression of sk- of um, thoughts and feelings and social skills. So that's mm-hmm. that's a big push, and as well as um, the edu- bullying thing, not to bully, and yeah, certainly, and that you know bullying is is not just. Uh, bad for the person being bullied. The bullies generally have have um, they've done longitudinal studies on bullying, and they usually do not have great lives. Mm-hmm. So inter- intervening with them as well is very important. Um, but uh, school counselors have have big tasks, and they also uh, ha- are tasked with um, educating their colleagues on things like trauma informed care. So mm-hmm. it's it's a heavy lift. They have big jobs, and, and that's where many times they rely on um, or partner with external providers like Catholic Charities to, to do some of the one-on-one 
therapy with students that require that. Well, and that's one of the things. When I found out that Catholic Charities, um, their counselors were going into some of our Catholic schools, I, w- I wanted to share that with folks because they, I, I'm guessing they, they don't know that that is an option, mm-hmm. um, whether parents can initiate that, whether the teacher initiates that, how that all works. So, so let's go back. Let's, let's lay the framework for this. You know, when did Catholic Charities start doing these school um, counseling opportunities? That was three years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, at, at that time, uh, one of the lead therapists with Catholic Charities was in conversation with the superintendent of schools about how can we address the, mm-hmm. the very needs that you brought up. And um, they adopted the model that that many schools have used where you co-locate a uh, private therapist on site working in partnership and collaboration with the school counselor and educators. And so it was initiated, I want to say, about three years ago, and that's now expanded to seven schools uh, in the Des Moines metro. So does that include Dowling Catholic, or are these all the elementary schools? It includes Dowling Catholic, and in fact, we just had a conversation this morning with um, Sacred Heart, so that's K through middle, and so we're, we're at, at this point, we're with, working with seven schools in the mm-hmm. metro. So who are, what are the schools? Uh, the schools are, as you mentioned before, Dowling, uh, St. Teresa, St. Pius, Holy Trinity, St. Francis, uh, St. Luke's, and as I mentioned earlier, Sacred Heart. So if there's a school out there or a parent, one of the schools that says, you know, our our school is, is we have a number of issues. We mm-hmm. I think we this would be beneficial to us. How does that process yeah. start? What what does it look like? Is there an evaluation of the school to see if there's a need, if there's a, a space, all of that kind of stuff? Well, the schools do their own analysis of mm-hmm. that and they and they take a look at what sort of uh external assistance, if any, they require, certainly they can then approach a provider. Um, I, for example, I've met with uh, all the administrators in the metro and including um, uh, the Council Bluffs area mm-hmm. about, you know, what we have to offer, what are their needs, and we just leave the door open. So you're in the school, say you're at St. Teresa's, and um, this is, do you do sessions with classrooms of kids or do you do, is this all one-on-one work? And how does a child, well, let's answer that question. Yeah. It, it's all one-on-one. Essentially, mm-hmm. what we're doing is, is providing a form of outpatient therapy in a very confidential manner in the school setting. So we work in partnership with the school counselor. We, we really don't do their job. They do what they do very well. But when they have a caseload, so to speak, of students, and some require much more time and attention than they are able to afford They'll make that referral to us. Uh, We will then uh, conduct a mental health assessment. Generally speaking, there's a diagnosis attached with this because you must have a diagnosis to uh, bill whatever uh, third-party payer there is. Uh, I was going to ask, do do the parents pay for this service? How are the parents um, kept up to date on all this? Yeah, so – you know, we we will accept uh, commercial third-party insurance, Medicaid, um, and we also offer sliding fee scale for uninsured. Now, mm-hmm. through the Affordable Care Act, m- many people have insurance now. Mm-hmm. However, some of that some of that coverage is thin, and they do not offer mental or behavioral health coverage. So, uh, we we do offer a sliding fee scale based on uh, income and family size for people who are who are not insured or or who fall into the heading of underinsured. Mhm. 
Okay, so is this a parent? Can they say, I think there's something going on with my child. I'd like them to see one of those counselor people. They certainly can. They can do that. Um, Recommendations from the teacher. Does the teacher go to the parent and say, I think there's some issue? Or does the teacher go to the school counselor and say, you know, what are we going to do with little, little Joey or Mary? I mean, how how does that all happen? Yeah, it could happen a variety of different ways. Uh, generally speaking, it's the educator who's observing behaviors in the classroom who will have a conversation and consult with the school counselor. Um, they'll also speak with the parents. Sometimes it could be exactly what you described the other way around. The parent could contact the school. Um, it doesn't matter to us how that's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main thing is that uh, the student has access to care. So it could, it could go either way. The parents could initiate it. The educator could initiate this. The school counselor could make the recommendation. But the school counselor is always the conduit for referrals. And then uh, the agency, in this case Catholic Charities, will work with the family about um, um, insurance eligibility, sliding mm-hmm. fee scale, those sorts of things. We, we don't want the school to have to really – get immersed in that, we take care of that. So mainly they have a, a partner, a, a licensed clinician co-located at their site who does all of the reimbursable direct service. And then mm-hmm. generally, you know, well, we're required to have releases of information uh, to, to signed by the parents. And if the child is 12 or older, signed off by the child to, to provide consent for us to communicate and collaborate with yeah, the Yeah, it's with not like this is all behind the parents' back. No, no it's yeah. all – the more collaboration with the parents, the better. the better. That's usually how you get the best results. Yeah. Hey, we're going to take our, our last break of the show. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the issues that Scott sees happening in our schools that probably are impacting a lot of us. My guest is Scott Caldwell, Director of Programs for Catholic Charities. You're listening to Straight Talk here on Iowa Catholic Radio. Why do folks give to the Catholic tuition organization? Probably because they love Catholic schools, right? Partially, but they also like the tax benefits, or they were helped when their kids were in school, or they have been blessed and want to bless others. Whatever the reason, the 65% tax credits are great, And after all, it's for the kids and their future. Online, ctoiowa.org. Thank you to Mercy College of Health Sciences, downtown Des Moines, for underwriting our show, The Uncommon Good, with me, Bo Bonner. And I'm Bud Marr. A degree from Mercy College provides endless possibilities. Students have access to patients with complex medical conditions, state-of-the-art medical facilities, highly motivated healthcare professionals, and classroom professors that transform them into servant leaders. You can start the programs in fall, spring, or summer. There are endless possibilities available online at mchs.edu slash kwky. Are you prepared for the 2020 Iowa Catholic Men's Conference Sons of the Father? Saturday, February 22nd at the Embassy Suites by Hilton downtown. Mass will be offered at 7.30 a.m., registration begins at 8, and the conference kicks off at 9 with Iowa State University head football coach Matt Campbell. Followed by Joe Stopulis from the Man Up Show. John Leonetti from Iowa Catholic Radio will host the Iowa Catholic Men's Conference Sons of the Father Saturday, February 22nd at the Embassy Suites by Hilton downtown. Learn more at iowacatholicradio.com. 
Since 1924, St. Vincent de Paul has been helping those less fortunate work towards self-sufficiency. Last year, St. Vincent de Paul helped over 20,000 individuals with food, clothing, and shelter, while also offering classes in financial literacy, high school completion, career readiness, and prisoner re-entry. SVDPDSM.org, 515-282-8327. Shop, donate, volunteer, serve. This message was brought to you by Homemakers Furniture. Father Kirby, pastor of St. Elizabeth Parish in Carlisle, will lead a 10-day pilgrimage to the Holy Land, August 3rd to the 12th. Walk where Jesus walked in Nazareth, Mount Tabor, the Jordan River, the Dead Sea, Jericho, Bethany, Bethlehem, and the Old City of Jerusalem. Learn more at crownofbethlehem.com. Crownofbethlehem.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Carell Contractor, serving Des Moines site work constructed needs for over 60 years, and the Iowa ENT Center, expert ear, nose, and throat care for adults and children. Thank you to Golden Rule for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. At Golden Rule Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling, we do our best to serve the people and communities who so generously support us. We try and find some way to give back every single month because we know everyone can use some help. Golden Rule is very thankful for all of our customers and your continued support of us. We would like to wish you and yours a very blessed holiday season. I'm Bobby from Golden Rule, where we deliver respect, understanding, loyalty, expertise, and service every time you call. We have a standard and we prove it with every job. Online at goldenrulephc.com. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is Jean Wells, and my guest today is Scott Caldwell. Scott is Director of Programs for Catholic Charities, and we're talking about the mental health of children. And, boy, that can it can create havoc for the family. Just think of the havoc it's creating in that little, little kiddo's mind and uh, how disruptive it can be in a school for the child, for their classmates, and... and you know, you, you just sometimes you're at wit's end and you don't know what to do. And and I'd like, Scott, if you would, to share, you know, of course, all confidentiality. We would not want any names. But some of those things that you see that kids are coming to talk about that will resonate with our listeners. This is stuff that's happening in so many families. Well, certainly when you mention families, um, students don't come to school um and not bring those issues there. They don't live in a vacuum. So when a st- the school is a part of a, of a student's social environment, family is very significant, neighborhood, community. And if there is discord or there is dysfunction within the family unit, sometimes that will you know, manifest in the classroom. And it, and it will uh, it'll reveal itself in some symptoms. And it could be some of the behavior we talked about before, withdrawing, truancy, um, being highly agitated because they're worried about what's going to happen when they go home. Or maybe... Um, so before, if mom and dad are fighting about yeah, money... If it was disruptive in the evening or very disruptive in the morning, um, it's for, you know, as you can imagine, it'd be hard to concentrate. Mm-hmm. It'd be hard to be on your game when you're in school when things are chaotic at home. So that's part of it. So if a, if a child is, is recommended to come and, and see the counselor, is it... You know, kind of like, well, they get three visits at the school, and then you'll need to set it up to go to the counseling office at Catholic Charities. What's kind of that frequency? Is it every week? Um, what does that look like? If a parent was contemplating right. this need, what would they expect? Well, generally speaking, it it's depends depends on the student's needs. Having said that, it's it's wise to start off once a week 
and keep a routine, keep mm-hmm. a regular, regular schedule. We talked about um, the importance of routine, uh, yeah. Th- therapy sessions and, and work collaboratively collaboratively with mm-hmm. the student and the student's parents on some treatment goals. Um, I mean, this is the student's treatment, but we do want we do want uh, parent and caregiver input. So you're working really diligently on what do we want to see change? What needs to improve? So generally speaking, that's, that's going to be uh, weekly sessions. And over time, you, you could be seen all school year. Mm-hmm. You could be seen the start of the next school year, depending on the need. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, you should be seeing progress with some some diagnoses. If it's an adjustment disorder with with um, um, you know mixed emotions, that kind of thing, some depression and anxiety, uh, you should see improvement over a six month time period. Uh, otherwise, you're probably talking about something more profound. But but generally speaking, once a week, you could go every other week. Some students really only require kind of a, a few initial interventions, and and they're good to go, and they they um, have some skills imparted to them. And they're able to incorporate them, and they review them with their therapist, and certainly feedback from you know, the classroom, and or rather the educator, and feedback from the school counselor. We don't have to stay involved forever. That said, we can work with a student mm-hmm. for a couple of years. I mean, it really is dependent on their needs. It's dependent on the diagnosis. Do parents sit in on the sessions, or is this one-on-one with kids? Or again, does it depend? It depends. It's very hard in a school-based setting. I mean, one of the things is we're, we're creating access to care, so their transportation isn't an issue. Some mm-hmm. parents can't get off work, quite frankly, or they don't have access to transportation, and sometimes they're just not engaged. But it's wise to have parent involvement, even if that's a phone call, reaching out to them to say, here's what we've been working on, here's some things you can do to reinforce uh, your son's or daughter's um, progress at home. Um, but but parent involvement, while, while is not as easy to facilitate in the school setting, can be done. There might be times we see the family at our outpatient offices, though. Mm-hmm. So as we as we look at these little kiddos and they're they're having these interactions and you're saying you no know, 6 months maybe is kind of the time frame if we don't see any progress. Now the counselors that they're seeing they are not going to be able to prescribe prescriptions. So they're not psychiatrists or psychologists whichever one is that Correct. can prescribe. So that recommendation if if they're feeling like medication or some other type of therapy is that 6 month mark is it that's typically you know, where you could expect a, a referral for some other kind of service? Well, at any point, if if um, the clinician feels like there, there's a need to bring in somebody beyond their level of expertise, and that could be a prescriber, an advanced registered nurse practitioner, a psychiatrist, um, to, to evaluate that student to see if medication could be of help. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. it's required, but sometimes you want to make sure you're being diligent and, and you're looking at all the, the health needs of, of that student. So you might make a referral right off the bat, mm-hmm. you know. And um, generally speaking, you know, within a six-month period, you should be seeing some progress. And, uh, yeah, if, if you're not, maybe it's, it's time to reevaluate things because, you know, we want to see st- students improve. Mm-hmm. We just don't want them to continue to see us. Um, there, there needs to be – and then some, some outcome measures. You know, how do, how do we know you're getting better? So, you know, we have scales, we have assessment tools that we'd use to really demonstrate mm-hmm. that. And and if in that process we come to the conclusion we're not making progress, maybe we missed something, we would make a referral. What advice, as we wrap up the show today, what advice do you have for parents, you know, that they're feeling their own anxiety about their child, 
you know, they'll end up in prison if I don't do something. They'll end up, you know, miserable. They'll never be able to get a job. You know, those things that roll around in the back of your head that you don't ever want to admit to anybody. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for parents on on helping them um, raise their kids who are a challenge? Well, it it sounds really easy, what I'm about to say, but I know it's extremely difficult, and it's just accept your son or daughter for who they are. You don't always have to accept the behaviors, but accept them for who they are because when you're going through changes and, and life is very chaotic and tumultuous for you, to know someone is accepts you even when you're at your worst. And it's easy for parents to become very disapproving because it's very disappointing mm-hmm. and it's very alarming and you want them to have a good life. But it doesn't always come across that way. It comes across as lecturing or it comes across as yelling um, yelling, or, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, rejection. And we all want to know we're accepted. We all want to know we have a purpose and a belonging. And that's the key. And mm-hmm. it sounds so simple, but it is not always easy to do when your son or daughter is being extremely difficult and, and going through some stages in life or experiencing some, some, um, some setbacks or even trauma. You know, isn't that advice, good advice for all of us, mm-hmm. all adults, except the people that are around us, respect them, you don't know, you haven't walked in their shoes. Correct. Yeah. Well, I thank you, Scott, uh, for your time today, for this information. I think that's it's a wonderful partnership between Catholic Charities and our Catholic schools. Again, if your school was not one of those names, let's let's give those names again, Scott. The names of the schools that have a counselor from Catholic Charities Certainly. in there. If uh, your school is not on this list and you think it would be beneficial, reach out to your principal. Have them contact Scott at Catholic Charities. The schools: Dowling High School, Saint Teresa's, Saint Pius, Holy Trinity, Saint Francis. St. Luke, and Sacred Heart. And Scott, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, your email is? Oh, my direct email? Mm-hmm. Um, that is scaldwell, C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L, at Catholic Charities, D-M, as in Des Moines, dot org. And folks, you can always reach out to me. I will connect you with Scott as well. Thank you for joining us today, Scott. Thank you to our producer, my producer, Jimmy Olson, today. I'm Jean Wells, and today asking St. Dymphna. She's the patron saint of the nervous, emotionally disturbed, mentally ill, and, and those who suffer neurological disorders. She herself was murdered as a child. And we ask St. Dymphna to protect our children in times of trial and to guide them to a safe place. You're listening to Iowa Catholic Radio and Straight Talk, and we are on the air because of your prayers and your generosity. I thank you so much. Please consider a tax-deductible gift to Iowa Catholic Radio online at iowacatholicradio.com. We do have our Carathon coming up the end of February. If you would like to have your parish be a part of the team or your organization have a team during the Carathon, reach out to me at our text line, 515-223-1150. Straight Talk is live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and rebroadcast at 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Stay tuned for Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. God bless. Straight Talk every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio with Gene Wells. Brought to you by Blackbird Investments.